As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The producers of this podcast recognize the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. The following podcast contains content of a graphic, violent nature and is not suitable for children. There's no way you would have wanted me in your life, in your house. I would have smiled and I would have taken that laptop out and you would have waved to me while I was saying goodbye. Like, I was terrible. Vanessa Valentine is back with us this week to continue her story. If you haven't heard the first part, you might want to go back and listen 
before diving into this one. It contains a lot of background you need to know about Vanessa's own story, but it's also a unique insight into how one human being's life can be completely derailed by the intervention of another, particularly during childhood. When combined with today's episode, Vanessa's story provides a perfect case study of what's known as the victim-offender overlap, which is to say that most offenders of crime have been victims of crime first. When last we heard from Vanessa, she was still very young, in her mid-teens in fact, but she was a long way from the little girl who'd agreed to teach her father's father to play guitar. Vanessa was standing on Grey Street in St Kilda with two other women, one of whom was her partner Jay, whom she'd met in rehab. Even though St Kilda has been well and truly gentrified, they've even had the block there, it's still the place Melburnians go automatically when they're looking to meet like-minded individuals for nefarious purposes. It's where people tend to go when they've just gotten out of jail and they can't think of anywhere else. It's where people go when they've run out of luck and they've got nowhere else. And it's where women sometimes go when they're desperate for money and they've lost everything else. Grey Street in St Kilda has been famous as a place to pick up sex workers since the 1970s. We rejoin Vanessa's story on her first night there. This girl who had worked in the past walks up to the cabin. I'm like, hey, hey, cool. She'll do her thing and she'll come back. Anyway, she walks back over and she looks at me and she says, he wants you to me. That was a life-changing moment because, you know, I didn't want to let the team down. I did not want to do it. Uh, I didn't go there to do it. But the pressure that I felt was horrible. I knew that I was the ticket out for the day, really, and um, I just didn't want to let them down. And so that was how I did my first job. And it was a fucking bitch of a job, to be honest. You already had been taught to do whatever you had to do to keep mm. everybody else happy with you. Wow. You poor little girl. It takes a lot of courage to be able to do what you did. Very courageous. And this oh, is wow. Grey Street. Like, I've never known anybody to start work on Grey Street. I've only, only ever known people who've started working in brothels where I worked. Yeah. Which is not easy. No. But in that environment, you're surrounded by people. You've got a receptionist out the front who answers the door and vets people as they're coming in for what that's worth, like tries to make sure that you're safe from the beginning. It's a and bit of safety. There's definitely yeah. a lot more safety, right? You have to give half your money over, but that's what you're paying for. Mm. But yeah. But for security. this young girl to be getting in that stranger's car that's off Grey Street in St Kilda is incredibly dangerous. It is. She's never worked before. She's never, like you didn't know what he was going to expect from you. I had no idea. Where he was going to drive you. I had no idea. I I had no idea. I just knew that I was fucking pissed off. I didn't want to do it. Mm. And And you'd made that very clear. Yeah. I I just, I froze. Yeah. And the thing about working for me, like once and look, it might be different for other girls, but for me, once I did that, that first job, that it was all over. It was all over for me. And, you know, it was now I was using to forget that. And it was just this cycle. So you couldn't work without being stoned? No. No. Yeah, it was just incredibly soul-destroying for me. And, you know, I was in a relationship with Jay at the time, well, so we thought, and, you know, I'd come back from my job and I was like, where is Jay? To see Jay in another car with another client. And I, like, so seeing that 
was just a real shock to the system and I don't know, it was just a crumbling of my world, I guess, and my my innocence to a degree. And I remember after that, you know, we'd all met back up on the corner again and we'd all ha- had our money, but we walked, so we used to score in Fitzroy at the high rise and walking to our dealer's house, we were all fucking silent. No one said a word. It was a very sombre sort of feeling. And the time passes kind of quickly but kind of slowly too doesn't it it's like I guess you're so exhausted you kind of sleep all day but then you wake up and you've got a score because you wake up a bit sick and this the cycle just kind of grinds on it's hard to change your life because you're so busy again like we were saying you're working so hard just to keep up with this yes life yeah that it's hard to change it isn't it yeah it's a it is a full-time job when people say it's a full-time job it it is yeah that's all you do and we I was using like three times a day minimum, you know, and you'd, I'd have to have my bag next to me. Obviously we're on the streets, so it wasn't like I'd get out of a bed, but like I'd roll over um, to the drugs, the gear, pretty much ready to go because if I, if I didn't have it quick enough, like, oh, God, the amount of times I remember not being able to, it's a bit graphic, apologies, but not being able to to literally put the needle in my arm because I'm I'm dry reaching, like gagging. It's just horrible. It's not a yuck. withdrawing. Yeah. Yeah. Sick, just so sick, yeah. So where were you literally sleeping? Where would you guys sleep? Yeah, so we had a couple of different places. Um, we slept on the streets a lot uh, in Fitzroy, I think because our dealers were there and – workers were there so in the mornings I'd by workers of, in this context youth you workers? mean yeah youth sorry workers, youth workers. workers so yeah. you know I'd, I'd hand them for a cigarette or a coffee in the morning um so Fitzroy is an inner city suburb of Melbourne it's not um I'm just trying to think where you would sleep it's just um very concretey yeah, yeah very so, urban so, yeah, yeah so we used to sleep on um so you know Brunswick Street mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a police station. Yeah. Do you know the Fitzroy? So behind that, it's a town hall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Up there on the steps, up the top. Okay. So we slept there for a long time. So it's like just because it's sheltered. And yeah. Yeah. Can- it's sheltered. I, I never wanted to sleep somewhere that was totally out of, no. you know, I, I was a bit scared. So I liked that the cops were close, even though I hated cops. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> ridiculous. Um, yeah, so it was safe enough, I guess, for for two girls to be sleeping. Where yeah. did you shower and all of those things? I was so lucky. There was a drop-in centre, a youth drop-in centre in Fitzroy. You know, it was amazing. It became like a second home, you know. So I would go there and shower there uh, on the days that they were open and eat. I didn't really eat much, but like, you know, coffee, cigarettes. Yeah. You get condoms and stuff from there yeah always yeah and you'd get them when you'd get your fits um your syringes and stuff Mm -hmm. yeah and doctors they had free medical Uh, mate look so important anything you needed your doctors there nurses heroin was massive then so did you get on methadone at some point yeah so at 18 i was prescribed methadone which was hell and then moved over to buprenorphine which i'm still i'm Still on, you know, mm-hmm. trying to come off that very slowly. But, um, yeah, so it was on and off that for the next 10 years or whatever. So these are yep. the drugs they use to try and help people not use heroin, but usually everyone on methadone oh. is still using heroin. Yep, totally. So, but it, methadone just makes your teeth fall out, so that's how everyone's that's toothless. Right. Yes. Is it because it's right. sugary or something? Or what's No, it's the deal just like that? what it is. Oh, so, yeah, yeah. It's just the crookest gear, but they still use it for everyone. And it is the crookest. I've never – I mean, heroin withdrawals are – horribly violent methadone withdrawals are just next level 
I'm very lucky. I think, you know, good foundations make a big difference, you know, and like I didn't have a perfect upbringing, but I had to work very hard to fit into the drug and criminal lifestyle. I had to work very, very hard to fit into that. So I think, yeah, my, my early, you know, that's, I was very lucky to have that. I came from a life that wasn't violent. Violence wasn't normal to me, but this life was violent and you had, and they knew. So it was a weakness of mine that Jay, my partner at the time knew, you know, and, and the girls knew, you know, that I'd come from, even though I seemed like I fit in, you know, I, I didn't like violence. And uh, I remember one time we were standing on our corner, uh, which was, uh, maybe it was Robe Street or something at the time. And me, Jay and this other girl were standing around and it was a really hard day. They just, the clients weren't there. And, you know, some days they, it just wasn't busy. And you're, you're like, I'm going to start getting sick really soon. And I don't know, you know, we need these jobs. Because the thing is, you know, you initially, when you get sick, when you start getting sick, like for people that don't know, and you start withdrawing, the start of it, you're too uncomfortable, I guess, to sort of sit still. And if you leave it, then you end up getting so sick that you, you can't even move. So you've got to, I guess, do those jobs while you can, yes. you know, physically can do it. Yeah. yeah. And there was a girl that we knew. Uh, she wasn't part of our group, but, you know, you know her from the streets and stuff. And she was across the road. Anyway, a regular of mine rolled up and we went, oh, you know, everyone knew it was my regular. Great. But this regular of mine on this day didn't want me. He wanted this other girl. So he signaled for this other girl who wasn't part of our group and she went up and got in the car and off she went. So for the next 15 minutes, Jay and this other friend of ours was getting real mad. She took your fucking client. She's fucked. That bitch is dead. Sorry about the language, but this is how it was. Um, that bitch is fucking dead. Uh, I'm going to fucking kill her. And I was terrified. Please, please don't. Oh, my God. Please, please, please don't hurt her. Please don't hurt her. Please don't hurt her. And I knew she was fucked. Uh, I just knew it. And she came back and got out of the car and Jay and this other girl signaled over to her. They gave her a wave and said sort of come over and gave her a smile. And the second she came over, thinking, you know, oh, no, like thinking, you know, she was going to have a chat. They grabbed her head straight down into their knee and this girl's on the ground and they just for the next 10 minutes were just kicking the absolute shit out of her on the ground while I was crying like a baby. It was just horrific. like, and that was just normal. Like that shit happened all the time. It was very powerful what you said that once you knew you got into that cab. Yeah. And, you know, you, you didn't want to do it, but you did it. You're like, yep, I'm, you know, doing this for the team. Yeah. So how did it become, it, it was literally just to get the next yeah. bit of drugs. Once you'd done it, you'd done it. Like you've crossed that line. Like it's easy, you know, and, and the thing is I had a break from working once and my first job back was hard, but it's like once you do it, it's like, right, you know, it was just like it didn't matter anymore. I know how to make money. It doesn't make me feel good, but I've got something after that's going to make me feel really good and forget about it. So, How did you try to keep yourself as safe as possible? I mean, is everyone quite supportive on the, on the street yeah. hill working? Uh, so the girls obviously all have their own corners and you 
you know, it's your corner, you stick to your corner, you don't take anyone else's corner because you'll get your head kicked in or, you know, that many, many fights. But um, I had rules which, which I stuck to, so uh, Jay and I did. Uh, we never, ever went to a client's house. It was always in the car, local somewhere. So that was, you know, as safe as we, you know, could be, I guess. Yeah. Well, what would you do if the, the guy just kept driving? You know, I mean, yeah, like I in oh, my car, I can lock all the doors from my side and all that. So say I got you in the car in, in Grey Street, locked all the doors and just kept driving. What would you do? I got very lucky. Yeah, I, I honestly, I don't know. I would have you been have pretty, a plan. No, no plan at all. And there were definitely, you know, oh, I mean, there were, I sh- you know, I shouldn't be here. Like the, I had some horrible moments, you know. Well, Adrian Bailey, who murdered Jill Maher famously. Yeah raped a couple of girls from Grey Street and and he would drive his car down. He knew the alleyways around St Kilda and would drive them so close to the wall so that they couldn't open the doors. I mean, on his part, like what a... No, absolutely. He was an apex predator. I mean, yeah, we had some really nasty experiences um, and just got very lucky and, yeah, made it back. I was very lucky. I, I was shown some really beautiful kindness by two police officers and they were older they were much older uh and they would literally just uh pull up in their car you know and ask me if I was okay and that was so awesome uh but that was a bit later in my working life early on uh for maybe the first six months we were really careful because there was a cop that was driving around off duty and he'd get the girls in the car and when the girls were in the car, he'd flash his badge and he'd just get free jobs. And this went on, yeah, what a creep, you know. But you get used to it, especially when all your, your clients, you're looking in the back seat and they've got a fucking babysit. And you're like, they've got a child. They're going to go home to their wife and their child. Like, what the hell? Look, they were, for the most part, some were, some were nice guys. Like, you know, some were, were nice guys that were like just socially awkward it was the ones that were always just stomach crunching for me were the ones with the baby seat in the back. Um, just, yeah, very hard or older, much older, that stuff, you know, very triggering. But, you know, at the same time, I, I used it to my advantage as sick as that sounds. You know, it's the truth. I'm not here to lie. I knew that, you know, out there you had all these girls in their short skirts, you know, but. I was 17 and in my, uh, my dirty Converse and pair of jeans and like a bloody school backpack almost, you know, I made a killing because I was young. I looked like I was preteen probably, yeah, yeah. St Kilda Gatehouse is a drop-in centre in the Grey Street Precinct that provides all kinds of support for women involved in street-based sex work in St Kilda and with young women and girls affected by sexual exploitation. The Gatehouse actually celebrates 30 years of service this year. In the beginning, they were handing out coffee and Milo, but these days they offer a diverse program of self-development projects and all sorts of support, always coming from a place of respect and unconditional acceptance. You can learn more about St Kilda Gatehouse and you can also donate to help them do more by clicking the link in our show notes. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Australian True Crime Plus members have received a bonus episode this week. It's a cold case with a number of twists. One of the twists is that it's American, because we've decided that one of the pluses is that not every case needs to be Australian. That's Australian True Crime Plus. You can join up by clicking the link in the show notes or by paying us a visit at Apple Podcasts. I used to carry my guitar everywhere um, after rehab, after I left my first rehab. I'd carry it with me everywhere. We'd, you know, me and Jay, I've got memories sitting on the tram, you know, just riding. And I, I my riding was always just very honest. And uh, a guy, we, Jay used to shoplift and we were shoplifting, she was, on a, in a shop, a rockabilly shop on Brunswick Street. And the owner of that shop, they got into a bit of an argument and then he realised we were just young, stupid, dumb kids and blah, 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 got talking and somehow I told him I was a musician and he said, oh, there's a music producer upstairs. So he got us a meeting. It was just crazy. I know, crazy. I was living two lives. You know, I had this record label, doing all the record label stuff and, you know, and then I was a drug addict, criminal prostitute and I'm still a teenager. It fell over bad. <laughs> it fell over real bad. I'll try and condense it. So I signed the deal, went to the UK. Like I lived there and, yeah, did lots of stuff. 
but I was started working on the streets over in London. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's yep. the other thing about working is that you, you can, can do, do it, it anywhere. anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> but it is very mobile. So I, w- I started using over there as well, and that's why I was thirty-one days clean. I know. So signed this deal within a few months. I was overseas, but it was very difficult because I was living. Uh, a criminal life here and my producers and managers had no clue. They didn't know. It was only when I said, hey, I don't know if I can go to America for that uh, massive tour and the thing we're doing because, hey, I'm a criminal. Uh, yeah, and I've got a criminal record. I did a, a big crime. Um, you have, can you talk yeah, about that? Yeah, it was an armed robbery just before the label told me they wanted me to go to the U.S., Look, it was the one thing in my life that I really regret. You know, I try not to have regrets, but that is. We're at the St Kilda Crisis Centre. We we were staying there for a couple of days, uh, very sick, um, trying to work. Christmas had just been and gone. And uh, around that time, there's not really much work on the streets. People go away. And I turned to Jay and I said, why don't we just go to the doctors and get some medication and, and just try and kick this habit over the next few days? Went to the doctors and was just mortified when he gave us ibuprofen. Like, you know, we told him we need some real drugs to help us through this. So tried for a few hours with the bloody Nurofen and it obviously did nothing. So we were just getting sicker and we said, let's just go out and try and get a job. So we went out to Gray Street and we sat there in the blistering heat for a couple of hours, no jobs, went back to where we were staying, the crisis centre, and I do not make any excuses for what I did. I would trying to come up with other ways of how to get money and I jokingly, and it wasn't like, it's not even funny, I was like, oh, may as well just bloody rob a cab, you know, and Jay got angry and Jay's response was, well, why the fuck don't you then? And I was like, huh? And she was like, well, go on. You're going to fucking say it. Why don't you fucking do it? And I thought she was joking. Um, she wasn't joking at all. Ran inside. Uh, she got me a pair of scissors. Came back out and, and talked me through what I was going to do, basically. Cool, you're going to do this. We'll pull a cab over. You'll do that, 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 that. And I just did it. Like I'd fucking done so many, like, you know, and I just, that moment fucked everything for me it fucking you know and oh, it's just it's the one thing I really you know I find it really hard my manager he'd invested a lot of time and a lot of money in me so he got me a lawyer a very good lawyer and I was able to to go I was 18 when it started it's a very lonely lifestyle and I couldn't stay clean over there. I was so I was on my own. I didn't have Jay. Uh, it just got too much for me. And I called my manager, uh, who was in my my Australian manager, and I begged him. I actually had. Um, do you remember Johnny Depp's ho- The Viper Room? So I was meant to fly out to LA the week later to play there, and um, I just didn't want to do it anymore. I was so lonely and. Yeah, I just remember, you know, I missed Jay. Even though Jay was violent, you know, I really missed Jay and I just needed to, I wanted to come home and and be around someone that was familiar to me, you know. And Jay made it very hard to leave. I had to lie, you know. Yeah, Jay did not want me on that plane. Jay hated that I had a record deal. 
Jay didn't want me getting out and I went straight back like a dickhead. So came back to Australia? Yeah. Straight back into the old life? Yeah, straight back in. But uh, this time Jay was fucking angry that I'd left for as long as I did and Jay was going to really make me pay for it. So I was just treated like dirt and humiliated um, 24 hours a day basically. Yeah, just angry. You think you're fucking better than us, you know, is what she'd say. Yeah, crazy. So straight back to it and it just went on and on and, you know, utterly exhausting, you know. It's so tiring and it just got to a point where it was easier to go out and to work for Jay, you know. Mm -hmm. So Um, for Jay, explain that. What's happening there? I don't know how it started but she had got accepted to a – like a, what a halfway house. Oh my God, what are they called? Um, anyway, there's lots of rules, right? But you can go out, you go out during the day and you do your thing, but you sleep there at night, okay? So she'd been accepted and I wasn't, right? So I had to sneak in overnight, right? Because otherwise I'd yeah, be sleeping on the streets. So it was just easier, I guess, for me to go out and work. And that's what happened, you know? So she was so in control, you know? And I remember coming back and, yeah, she'd be asleep in the bed, you know, in her warm bed. And, you know, I'd walk from walk from St Kilda sometimes all the way to North Fitzroy and, you know, freezing cold and she'd wake up and we'd both have a hit. And then I'd be starving. So I'd open a bag of chips and she'd lose it over that. And like, I'd get a slapping for that. I got rid of Jay. Yeah, it how? It was very hard. It's funny what time away from an abusive partner will do for you. I really had no idea how bad it was until the record label. So I'd gotten back and they wanted me to finish the album, but they wanted me to finish it in New South Wales. So off I went to New South Wales. How clever of them, by the way. Mm. (laughs) Very clever. They did not like Jay. Uh, And I'd met another person who'd become a really good friend at that point. And I just sort of got a bit stronger. I was like, hang on, what's happening to me with this Jay is really not good. So I just got a little bit stronger and I had more clarity and I went, I'm going to, you know, with my new friend, you're going to help me. I'm going to get away from this person. And I attempted to to break up with Jay, you know, uh, which didn't go down too well. So I ended up having to change my number and I left and I just sort of disappeared from the scene. I just sort of left Fitzroy. And I, with my new friend uh, who didn't use at all, I I did, I got clean for seven years, um, almost seven, started my own band. I loved it. I was independent. I was an independent musician. I didn't have to answer to labels. It was the best, you know. Oh, we like, we toured on our own backs. Like it was just incredible, you know. It was amazing. And um, they are still my friends. We still play together. We're still in bands. We still tour. Like it, it is, it's great. Um, and, you know, I relapsed, which happens, you know, and it was a long relapse and it wasn't very nice. Um, it was almost five years. Yeah. What made you relapse? I started writing a book. Mm, yeah. Right? Yep. Yep. And I don't know if it's the fact that I was reliving things. Yeah, totally. Maybe, but that's when it all fell apart. I just got complacent. We were, you know, we'd be touring and if there was any talk of drugs, I was not, I didn't want to be around it. 
you know. We'd play a show and we'd go home and we'd sip on tea, yeah. you know, like we were fucking dorks. Like yeah. I just didn't want to be around drugs at all. And uh, I just got complacent. Mm-hmm. You never do that. It got chaotic again uh, for sure. I um, – oh, fuck, yeah. I mean it did. It, it just – yeah, it got very bad again. Went to another rehab again. And, you know, you always get those people that just sort of hang off and and they're never good people, are they? Yeah, and they're never good, right? Yeah. And um, so that happened again. During that time I had someone else hanging around in the picture that probably wasn't very good for me. And Did you work again? No, oh, I didn't God. go back to working, okay. thank goodness yeah. for that. But rid of it. It's all done now. It's probably like just over two years ago. So I'm pretty fresh again, really. What, how do you, how do you um, manage today? Like what do you do every day to take care of yourself? Oh, so I write, obviously, a lot. So like I said, music's a constant. So I'm, I'm constantly writing and writing songs. So I'm in a rock band and I've got a solo project um, and I've got a bit of a, like a, a side electronic project as well (laughs) it's just ridiculous but exercise I it's ridiculous I never thought I would be this person but I love it you know like if I didn't have the record I would probably attempt to be a like join the force or something like so I'm super into fitness and my animals I'm just so great I'm so grateful I spent my entire life wanting to end it and I'm so grateful that I'm alive like I'm so I'm very grateful and and fortunate and I just, God, I I want others to know that it doesn't matter how dark it gets, there's always tomorrow. Thank you to our very generous guest, Vanessa Valentine. She's generous and talented. This is an example of her music, but there's a link in our show notes to Bandcamp where you can hear a lot more. And you can also be part of the show by leaving us a voicemail message at our Facebook page. Thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime, recorded at The Hub Australia. We'll be back next week. Don't go out late I will never find you again Don't stay out late
This has been another Smartfella production in conjunction with the Acast Creator Network. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. As promised, I am thrilled to announce that our tickets for Australian True Crime Live are now available. Join me in Sydney, Brisbane and or Melbourne this July. You can come to all three if you want. These tickets are expected to go very quickly, so be sure to secure yours by visiting the link in our podcast bio or you can head over to the Australian True Crime Facebook page. There'll be a nice link there for you. Update for Brisbane Australian True Crime fans. Brisbane is almost fully sold out for our live show. If you've been a listener for any length of time, you'll know how passionate I am about true crime stories from Australia. I'm looking very forward to an incredible evening together with you, sharing these captivating tales. We will have great guests as well, so, you know, we love a Q&A. If you've ever come along to an Australian true crime live gig, you'll know we love a Q&A with our guests. Don't miss out. Book your tickets today, and I'll see you in July for a memorable night out.